Dear Lord, I've asked you for so many things before for strength to climb each mountain in my way I've asked for strength in hell I've even asked for wealth but from now on this is the way The nail pierced hands, the crown of thorns you wore. Thanks for mom and dad and the good times we had. Oh, but most of all, thanks for loving me. Thanks for Just a lad, and I nail by my bed. My thanks to thee each night. I always said, Oh, to be a child again and pray as I prayed then. Lord, grant this one request for me. Standing by my side when I hear 
storm clouds gather, he's standing by my side. When I hear the thunder roll, he holds my hand. When I begin to tremble, when the winds of this world are blowing strong. Now Satan is always sneaking round the gate. Oh, he's trying to lead the sheep astray. But he that is in us is so much greater than him. Rebuke him and chase him away. Jesus is with me when the storm clouds gather. He's standing by my side when I hear the thunder roll. He holds my hand when I begin to tremble. When the winds of this world are blowing strong.
Oh 
say that this morning I don't know who knows Jesus and who doesn't or who's walking afar and who's walking close but he knows and if you can't stand and sing how great thou art this morning not because of what he's done for you but what he's done in you then you need to figure out how great God is because he takes people that are mess ups and he does something beautiful with them he and the, the phrase is, is that he he gives beauty for ashes and he gives joy for mourning but he also makes the sinner spotless white, sinless, because he died on a cross, and he becomes your righteousness. So that doesn't mean that we're right every day, but because we keep our eyes on Jesus and we put Jesus on, we become spotless in Jesus' name. So figure out how great he is. Amen. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give. It's by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God
want you to open your Bible, if you got it, to the 51st chapter of Psalms. I want you to pray for, I know Shiloh was sick. She didn't, I didn't answer the thing. She's, uh, they've been having colds and stuff, so just remember them. We got, uh, some of our singers are going to see singers. So I guess that's what they do. I don't know. <laughs> pray for them. They're coming back. Maybe they're getting new songs. I don't know. They do, they you got to give singers the singers here credit. They work at it, you know. And I don't. I want to tell you if you missed last Sunday night, you missed a, a very good service. I listened to it. They brought it. They don't usually put on the uh, podcast on Sunday night, but they did Sunday morning and Sunday night, and uh, it was. I sat and cried listening to the kids Sunday night. They're not really kids. They're, I believe the whole class of coming up, Cindy, all of it was good. I got so tickled. I got so pleased. I couldn't keep from crying, Crystal. When I was listening to Hallie testify. I thought, I thought Mike's standing in glory. He's standing in glory. That's my little girl. And I thought, well, what a precious night it was and I praise God because Cindy said it that's her future the young it was young people and the uh, chosen generation uh, and a lot of times we I was talking to Mark last night a lot of times the uh, they're on vacation I told him I said a lot of times you see these kids and they talked about it years ago they come to 18 years old they kind of get out of the youth and they Think I'm done. I don't have to sing no more. I don't do no. But these chosen generation that fit what they needed, and I can tell you, they're inspired, and they're inspiring to us. And I praise God for that. Today I want to talk to you about something I I know. I've said it a lot of times. Larry says to me a lot of time when he used to when I used to come in the door, he'd say, "Talk about Jesus today." And I think that's always what he said, talk about Jesus. Well, I'm going to, by the time I get done, you're going to know I was talking about Jesus. But I want to go into something other that when, my, when I was a kid, we was raised in Northside, right down in the streets. I might sound like a country hillbilly or whatever you want to call it, but I was raised in Northside. My parents were both from down in the lower part of Kentucky, a lot of my family. And every time I'd go down there and hang around with my cousins, I'd start talking like them. And I liked what that one missionary guy said. He said he had to get a, he didn't know he needed a passport to go to Kentucky. He said they talk a whole different language down there. And it's precious. But I thought about this today because when my mother was young and we were kids, our, our whole backyard uh, wouldn't be as much as one row of pews, hardly. And we, we cut it without uh, one that didn't have a mower, you know, that <laughs> And that's what we did cutting the grass. So that's before y'all's time. This is back before they put a motor on them, you know. But my mother used to do the laundry, and there were seven kids and mom and dad. Well, mom did the laundry down in the basement, and she ran it through what they called a ringer washer. Now, none of you elders know exactly what I'm talking about. But that old ringer washer, 
you, you had a, a thing on the top of it and you swung it out and you ran it through, the clothes went through one side, you'd run it into a clean thing of water and you'd get the soap out of it or you'd, first you'd clean and get soap in it and then you'd run it through that washer and anyway, back and forth you was going. It, you had turned on this roller and this roller that was plugged up sat on top of the washer and it would drag them clothes through there and sometimes you get your arm stuck in there. Mom would have to throw it in reverse, you know. But the real truth is, Vicky and them knows what I'm talking about, but the real truth is that's the way my mother did the wash. Now, my mom didn't even, she wasn't satisfied that it was doing a good enough job. She would take, can I say this, the old underwear. She'd take the old underwear and her old clothes and she'd hang them out on the sun, on the line. Yeah, right down there in front of everybody. But everybody had their laundry out, so nobody paid no attention to it. Yeah, I know. But we're more dignified that today, but that's the way she did it. But you can look at our old underwear, and they all was white looking. I mean, they had a glow about them. So I don't know what she was <laughs> cleaning them with. But how many knows mom did the right job? Mom cleaned them over and over and over. And uh, you run them through that washer. Today, I want to talk to you about getting washed. How many knows we need to be run through the ringer sometimes? We need to be washed today. I need to be washed. I don't care how much I know I feel that I love God and he loves me. No matter how many times, ran, he witnessed to my heart. There's times in this old flesh that I just want to say, Lord, run me through the washer again. Clean me up, God. I need to be cleaned from this world and what's in it, what's in this flesh and what's in this mind. You know, you can sit here tonight, uh, today and you can think, I, won't, I don't think bad thoughts. Just give it a little bit. You'll think a bad thought. Don't think about it. Don't try to, it's like saying don't look at that, but, you know, don't think about it. Try your best not to think about it. But the truth is this old flesh is in a fallen state and we're apt to do this. God sent his son to give us grace and mercy to reach out to you and I and he paid for our sin. He paid for our failures. He paid for our shortcomings. And only in him are we safe. Only in him are we clean. If I have not Christ... There's nothing good in me. If I have not Jesus inside of me, I have, no, I have no cleanliness to me. We're all filthy rags. We're all filthy people. God knows it. Don't look at us preachers or us religious people and think we think we're better. We know we're not better. If you really truly read the, the word of God, you realize you come up short. Every one of us come up short. Lord, wash me, clean me. That's what I know God was speaking to me this week, and I want to talk about it. In 51st chapter, I want to look at verse 2. This is King David. This is after he had committed sin. King David was a man after God's own heart. But when you look at what David's looking at, I want you to understand, put yourself in David's shoes. Say, I'm as guilty as David. In my own mind and in my own ways, I'm as guilty. I needed a Savior. I needed God to forgive me. I needed Christ to come in and forgive me. 
Well, David knows he needs forgiveness. He's not only stole another man's wife, but he had him killed in the front of the battle. You know the story. But it says here in verse 2, he said, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Then down at verse 7, I want you to look at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. How many knows one thing here you got to notice and you got to get a hold of? David believed God could forgive him. Praise God. Let me tell you something. That's the first step to coming to him. You got to believe that he is and that he will forgive you of your sin. He will set you free. Only he can remove what I have done. Only he can remove what you have done. He will not only forgive you and cleanse you, but he puts it in the sea of forgetfulness, and even parents can't do that. But my God can, and David was pleading. That's why he had a heart for God. He's pleading to the God that's able to forgive him and to set him free. On down verse 8, he said, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David was a broken person. Are you broken? Listen to me. We don't approach God any way we want to. You don't come to God and say, here I am. I'm a good singer. I'm a good this. I'm a good that. Put me in there, Lord. You need me. You don't understand. You need him. That's, that's the way this is working. But you come humbly. And it says, verse 9, listen to verse 9. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I want you to notice two things. One's in verse 9 and the other one's in verse, verse 11. I want you to hear it. He said, blot out mine iniquities in verse 9, the end of verse 9. David believed God could blot out his sin, right? But he also believed in verse 11 that he says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. How many knows? I don't care who you think you are or how long you've been living for God. He believed God could take the Holy Spirit from him also. You listening to what I'm saying? See, some, they, they put that old seal saying, I'm sealed and I ain't got to worry about it. I can sin all I want. I can do what I want. And people are doing all they want in the church and acting like it's okay. They're acting like it don't matter what I do because Jesus paid it all. Yes, he paid it all. But you have to keep things under his blood in him. Keep yourself in him. You have to repent of your sin, not just once. You keep repenting every day. Repentance, Larry used to say, is your friend. It's good to you when God convicts you and brings you to a place where you say, I need to repent to God because that's the grace of God. That is the grace of God. You're getting back in the right relationship with your heavenly father. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I want you to go to Isaiah, the first chapter. These are familiar scriptures, but I'm not going to read all of them. just reading just parts of it that I want you to hear. But in Isaiah, the first chapter, I want you to look at uh, 
Verse 16, you've heard this many times. Isaiah is warning Israel. Listen to me, God is warning Israel through Isaiah the prophet. But listen to what he says. He says, wash me. Or no, he says, wash you. Look at what God is telling Isaiah to tell Israel. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment or justice. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. Listen to this. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. How many knows what God has just said to Israel? He's pleading with them, come to me. Wash, you, wash yourself out of these things that's in your life that's keeping you from God. What's he saying to his own people? Wash yourself and get yourself clean. He ain't talking about taking a bath. He ain't talking about taking a shower. He's talking about the cleanness that needs to be inside of every one of us. We're the children of God. If we're going to stand where Bobby said, and we're going to stand in the book of Revelation to chapter 5, and we're going to stand and we're going to be praising Jesus when he takes that scroll out of the hand of the Father because he is worthy to open up the seals and to bring judgment upon the world. Guess what? If we're worthy to stand there, it's because we've been washed inside. It's not how good you look on the outside. It's where are you inside. I'm trying to get across about the washing. I, I, I'm going to change here in a minute, but I want you to hear it. And then it says in Jeremiah 4.14, one verse. Jeremiah 4.14. He says, O Jerusalem. This is God speaking through Jeremiah the prophet. O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? How long are you going to carry that wickedness in you that's lodged inside of you that you refuse to give up? It ain't that God won't forgive. It's you're not willing or ready to say, I surrender all to him. I need a savior I'm lost. You got to get lost before you can get found. You got to understand you're in a lost condition before the Heavenly Father that sees and knows all things. He knows me. He knew me before I was born, and He will know me when I'm dead and gone. He will know who I am. Isaiah 55, verse 10. Back up a few, chapter, a few uh, chapters, but it's Isaiah 55, verse 10. Listen to this. For as the rain, this makes good sense. Listen to this. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth bud and bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, God is saying, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I'm reading something there I want you to hear. It's just like the rain. We watch it every day. We watch the rains come. We watch the storms come through. We watch how it waters the ground. When we don't get no water, our grass very seldom grows. But when it rains, buddy, that grass is ready to be cut next week. It's ready. But when God sends forth his word, listen to me, he sends it forth for a reason. And when he sends it forth, he wants it to accomplish what it is sent to do, and he will do it. Listen to what I'm telling you. You might as well heed and hear what God is saying. You need to listen. One thing I want you to get out of that, and I want you to hear it real clear. See this Bible in front of you? This Bible is God's word. Hear me, because that's what I'm preaching on today. I'm preaching about the word of God. If you got to hear it, this is what it is. He is the word, God's word. It is, they call it his story or history. His story, it's his story. It's God's story. You can set it down in a library next to thousands of books, but can I tell you something? It's much more than a book, much more. I want you to hear this because you know what? God's speaking to us today, the church today. He's trying to prepare us to get ready. And too many Christians are sitting here waiting for me to tell you what's going on or God to bring you or some teacher to tell you when God says, this is my word, read it. Get it in you. That's what I think David wrote it in 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I'm going to tell you something. He ain't just talking about a book of words. See, I got a problem today. Let me tell you what the problem is. I'm watching people with big ministries. And I'm not picking on them. I'm not jealous of them. I wish to goodness they were doing what God. But I watch them get into this book. And it's like a smorgasbord to them. They get it. They pick out what they like, and that's what they take. The rest of it, they leave. And little do they know that God's going to hold them accountable to the whole word. Yeah. I ain't talking about because we call ourselves full gospel. I'm not preaching about our church at all. I'm talking about God's people all the way around. Got to understand what the word of God means to you. What does it mean to you personally, Christian? Because if you think you just got saved and you're supposed to sit and do nothing, I tell you right now, that ain't what your word will tell you. Yeah. And I'm not picking at nobody. Not mad at nobody. I'm more upset at myself than anything. Because see, I preach to me first. It has to go through mine. And God convicts me and straightens me out and tells me what and how it's supposed to be said because I'm afraid to say it the wrong way.
I'm trying not to jump ahead of myself. But in John, the first chapter, I want you to go to John 1. And I want you to hear something. Because there's something about the Apostle John. There's something about John that stands out. Listen to me. John saw something in Jesus that I'm not sure, Chris, that the rest of them really saw it. But I know John saw something. And the way he wrote his letter was a little bit different than the way all the other four Gospels write, three Gospels write. John's seeing something that stands out, and I want you to hear it today. John, the first chapter, the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh-oh. Now, I want you to hear that. That's kind of hard to understand, but I want to tell you something. He ain't just talking about a book. He's talking about, he ain't talking about a book of words. He's talking about Jesus fulfilled the whole word. Everything written that was inspired by God, sent by the Holy Spirit through men and women, all through the Bible, inspired to be put down for me and you to be reading today. All those things, Jesus Christ fulfilled all of it. He is the word of God. Now, you know what? That's hard to understand. That's a little bit over our head, Bobby. To me, I read it and I think, wait, are you just talking about, well, he just fulfilled his word? No, he is the word. You say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 14. You've heard this all your life. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. How many knows the word was made flesh and dwelt among us? They didn't see Jesus carrying a book around, did they? But they knew every word he said, Duran. Think about it. He spoke things that his heavenly father told him to send him to speak. Why? Because he was that word. He knew what that word meant. He knew what every word meant. He knew what was going on inside. He knew what the enemy was trying to do. And he spoke to the enemy. How many times he was tempted by Satan? How many times? And he tells, he tells him by the word of God, he tells him. But how many knows if you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the word of God. He became flesh and dwelt among us. I want you to go all the way to 1 John. Same writer, but it's all the way back at the end of, uh, it's after 1 and 2 Peter. I want you to go to 1 John. First John, the first chapter. First verse. 1, 1, 1. 1 John, first chapter, first verse. That which was from the beginning, John writes, which we have heard. Now, John's a little older now writing this. And you can tell he's still on the same track. Nobody speaks it like John has spoke this because I think John still sees what he sees. But it says here, 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Uh-oh. He didn't, he said all of that. Why didn't he just say at the end, of Jesus? We handled him, we was with him, we saw him, we heard him. No, he called him the word of life. Now, you want to know why the ministries are having a hard time? They're preaching everything they want to preach, but they ain't connected to the word of life. If you don't listen to the word of life, you can pick out the smorgasbord and pick whatever you want to preach on and make it sound good. You know, there's a lot of smart people that's getting in the Bible. They got their program. They got every kind of teaching in the world. If you're having trouble with your children, let me show you how to do it. Here, we got a program for you. They got a program for the elders. They got a program on how to die. They got a program on everything going. Sometimes they use scripture. Most of the time, they'll use a little scripture. But the real truth is, I don't need just a book with the answers in it. I don't need a computer with an answer in it. I need a feeling right here that my Savior is with me. The Word of God is in me. How many here's what I'm saying? If I know he's in me, Connie, you said it. He's going to speak to me and he's going to liven me up when I begin to read his word. He's going to reveal what it means to me. How many here's that? I gotta under, you got to understand, this is the word of life he's talking about. Not the word of death. All these books, all the books, you can take them out and burn them, but you can't burn away what Jesus Christ is. He's the word of life. And he's the word of life to you and me. Verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested, brought forth unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we to you that you may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many knows he became the words of the Father? He's the word of God, the word of life. And he came and he dwelt among us. He came to me. He came to you. He's knocked on your door by the Holy Spirit. He's, the Holy Spirit has a, a call, a job to do. His job is to fulfill what the Father sends him to convict. And Jesus Christ says, I go away that I can send you the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to help lead and guide you through the word of God. And he will bring you to exalt the Savior. Because he's the one that put himself on a cross and died to bring us to that place. I want you to look down at verse 6. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So why do we read the word of God? Christian, you know how many times I hear people, they think, and even the Catholic church, and I'm not picking at them, but can I tell you, they never, for a lot of years, would never teach you to read your Bible. They never taught you. They said the priest will show you what the Bible needs, you need to hear. But the real truth is, this Bible is telling me, this is telling me that I need to be forgiven and I need to know where I've sinned. And the Bible, the Word of God will show me. It will shine a light upon me. It's like looking into a mirror and that mirror is pointing to you and saying, look at that flaw right there. Look at that flaw right there. Look at that flaw right there. How many knows what I'm saying? When you look into the Bible, it points to you and tells you where you need to straighten your act up. Praise God, that's a beautiful word of God. You know why? It's alive. It's alive. The Holy Spirit's behind it. The Holy Spirit is, is fulfilling it in your life. Praise God. Jesus said this in the fifth chapter of John, the book of John, the 38th verse. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read three verses, but it's John 5, 38 through 40. Listen to what Jesus said. He's talking to those that were criticizing him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. So they, the Pharisees started attacking him again. Listen to it. It says in verse 38, and you have not his word abiding in you, talking to the Pharisees, whom he hath sent, him you believe not. Talking about himself. Then he says, search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Uh-oh, you mean this testifies of who Jesus is? You mean it testifies of him? Did you know this book is not going to save you? Jesus Christ is the Savior. This book is his story. It's the history. And when you read it and you get a hold of it and the Holy Spirit begins to tell you and Christ, you know, he obviously, uh, the books are going to be there on judgment day. But I can tell you why the Christians are having a hard time because we don't stay in this. This is going to straighten you and me out. This is going to keep you and me clean. I know I'm getting that look. It's all right. I felt the same way. So It says, and you, ye will not come to me that you might have life. Jesus is sad. He's looking at the Pharisees and he said, you won't accept the one God sent. And you don't want to hear me and you won't come to me. You can search those scriptures and they knew them. Them Pharisees, Bobby, they knew them scriptures. Oh, they knew when he was, when he didn't wash his feet the right place, when he didn't wash his hands the right place, or when he done something on the Sabbath. Oh, no, we don't allow that. You broke the law. <coughs> they, were, they were ready to hang him before he ever got started. He hadn't done nothing but do what his father told him to do. Be careful. You'll be doing the same thing to Christians today. 
You won't like them just because they shine a light in your direction. Sorry. You know, sometimes I've met them Christians where they just shine and they, I'm almost, I put my head down, sit down, sneak out of the room. They just seem to light up the place with the power of God all over their words. And sometimes I think, you know what? I realize I'm not as outspoken as that person, but there's something in there God's pointing to me about. We need to let God have his way in our lives. We need to understand this book cost a lot of people's lives. Mostly it cost the Savior his life to bring you and me into his place, into the fold. Ministries today, they do not preach or teach his true word because they do not know that he is the word. See, they just take it as another book. Can I tell you? They take this Bible, I'm sorry to tell you, some of you like your translations. I think sometimes they take this, they want to translate it on top of translation, on top of translation. Before you know it, you don't even hardly know where it started. You want to talk about confusing somebody, they're trying to confuse you. I don't think they're clearing up anything, Bill. I'm sorry, and I'm not just here to pick at people, but I can tell you right now, I don't, I don't see anything in this King James Bible that I have to have straightened out other than a little dictionary every once in a while because I, I didn't learn in school like I should have. I don't know some words. It took me a long time to figure out what manifest meant. And some of you look at me like, boy, you was really stupid. Yeah, I was pretty stupid. But I had to keep looking up stuff. I had to sit down with my Bible and sit down with a dictionary when I realized God was telling me, you're dying on the vine without reading your Bible. Listen to me, because that's what God said to me. He said, you're dying because you're not reading your Bible. I had to get my Bible out, Bobby, and try to read it. And that's sad, because I didn't know how to read I was a pitiful reader. Asked any teacher I ever went to. I won't go there. Okay. Now I want to read something to you that you probably heard. But I wonder if you ever thought about it. It's in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Sounds like I'm going off, and this is, I've used this many times in weddings. This was a wedding scripture. You know, well, probably one of the highlights of the wedding scripture is this first one, the 25th verse of Ephesians 5. It says, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that's what I tell every husband, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church. But then listen to the next verse, 26 that he might sanctify it. Who might? Jesus. See, Jesus loved the church so much, and he gave himself for it that he might sanctify it. What does that mean? He wants to set it apart for himself. Did you know when I married my wife almost 50 years ago, can I tell you something? I was jealous of her. I did not want nobody else looking at her. Is that pretty plain? You know. I know, I had my hang up. But I mean, I was afraid some, I knew the guys I'd played ball with in school, I knew them, and I thought, but that boy's nasty, you don't want to get around him, stay away from him, Shirley. 
I was jealous of them. I'd say, you know what? I'm protecting her. And I told her many times, I think God told me to protect you with all I got. I felt like she's just a little innocent kid. At that time, she got her 15 years old. It's like she's just so nice to everybody and smiling. And boys look at that like, oh, this girl, she's, she's happy. Let, let's get her. She's happy. She's friendly. But Jesus gave himself for it that he might sanctify, set it apart, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. What does that mean? The washing of water by the word. I tell you that's what that's meaning. I want to give you the best knowledge I can, and I don't go by anybody else's commentary. I'm reading what I see in the Bible, and I say it, it says, washing It says, washing of water by the word. Wow. See, I think the, the washing of water, Jesus paid for us. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is the only way we can come to the Father. But if you're going to get closer to God, if you're going to get stronger and you're going to grow, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get in this Bible and you're going to have to let it like water wash you in and out. I'm talking about the words that's coming out of that Bible is going to have to start flowing through you. That's why people read it. That's why people memorize it. That's why people can quote it. But can I tell you, you have to understand, you got to have the word, and I'm talking about Christ, inside of you before this will actually reach you and touch you. Because, see, I, I went, I remember years ago, I was in Erlanger, Kentucky, and I was on a train, and I got off, and we were in the depot. And I walked in, and I was new at the railroad, and this guy said, hey, Pruitt, uh, that's Pruitt, said, I heard he's a Christian. That's what they said now. And I'm just standing there, and they're all playing cards. They're all in had a card game going on, waiting for their train. Old man sitting there, seemed like an old, nice, young, nice man. But can I tell you what he did? As soon as he heard I was a Christian, he stood up and he must have read four chapters in John without looking, just quoted it. And I thought to myself, I'm a young man, I'm thinking, I don't know the Bible that way. I, I can't memorize stuff that way. This old man did all that. But it was the same old man a few hours later that was cursing and telling dirty jokes. Now listen to me. You can have all you want of this word, but if you ain't got the word of Christ in you, it ain't going to matter. And that's what I see today in these ministries. They're, just, they're getting the Bible and they're teaching people and they're having all kinds of success, doing all kinds of things and they're trying to please everybody. We want you to go out of here happy. I don't want to go out happy. I want to go out fixed. Amen. I need the fix of the Holy Spirit to tell me what's wrong with me. If we don't stick with what God has made this word and what it's for, the word is being taken and the enemy is tearing it apart. Little bit by little bit. And how's he do it? Let me take this little section here and now this will make you happy. And he's making everybody happy, but nobody wants to look at the words before or the words after or what it really meant for God to bring that word at that time. 
Nobody's studying what God is. You know how many times I've seen people get a death sentence on them from the, from the doctor? You know how many times I've seen that person and I would go up to the hospital and I'd go to see them and I would see a Bible over in the corner and I'm knowing they didn't go to church. I'm knowing they didn't care about hearing about God. They would turn you away every time. But when they decided I'm going to leave this life, what's this eternity about? They begin to get their Bible out and they begin to read it. And they begin to search it. Why? Because he speaks of life. He don't speak of death. He speaks of life eternal. And they want to find out now, how do I get out of this life? How do I get out of here and live forever? I need to hear it so they get this word out of their searching. Don't tell them about a prosperity message. Tell them about where it is that I can have eternal life. Bobby quoted this Thursday night. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many knows? How many knows the word of God will work on you like no book ever worked on you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit and the Father above loves you and he's going to give you what's good for you. See, I remember dad getting that belt out. That was good for me. I didn't like it. I thought he just liked to whip us. I thought that's just what dads like to do. They just like to beat you real good, you know. And I realized he's trying to get that brain to say, I ain't going to do that no more. You know? But I probably got more whippings than anybody. Because, you know, when, when you're the first, when you're the girls, they, dad don't whip the girls that much, you know. But when the boy comes along, hey, I'm going to take out all the frustration on you. <laughs> you're going to live right. You're going to act right. You're going to do right. And I got whipped good. Or bad, whatever you call it. But I never thought my father didn't love me. I never thought he did that because he was hurting me. He only wanted goodwill for me. He never did anything that would hurt his children. And sometimes I look around and I see people so separated from their children and so hurt. And I think I could have my time back with my dad. I would thank him again and again for the whippings I got. I'd thank him for the correction that I got. He loved me enough to correct me when I was wrong. God loves you enough to correct you, but if you never look, you ain't going to find out whether you're wrong or not. Don't listen to everybody else. Listen to the Spirit of God that's alive in you that it will be what brings you out of this life and takes you home. You need that Spirit inside of you. He says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom, with whom we have to do, which means 
with whom we are accountable to. We're accountable to God. God gave you life. Hallie, you and, you and Nick's got a little baby, Ezekiel. You're accountable to God. He grants you that child. But he expects you to bring it back to him. Taught right. Shown the way of God. Sometimes you, you look and you say, I, I can't say when I look at my mom and dad, they didn't teach us to pray. I can't say they didn't teach us to read the Bible. When I was about 12 years old, I would run to the house. I was hungry always. I'd run to the house and I'd run into the kitchen. And as soon as I'd open the door and I'd see dad reading the Bible, I'd think, oh, I went in the wrong door. Because I never could get through the kitchen, Ben, that he didn't say, sit down here, bud, and listen to what I got to tell you. Because he was learning the word of God. And you know what? It changed his whole life. It made him new. He was already, he'd gotten saved before I was born, but he was studying because God had put it in his heart and he stayed in this word. And he had a seventh grade education. I graduated. I don't know. I did that because my wife went to school with me most of the time. She helped take care of me. In John, the 15th chapter, I'm almost done. Becky, you can come back up. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he listened to what he says in verse 3. John 15, 3, talking about the vine. When Jesus was passing by the vine. He said, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Jesus says, you not only need to take me in, but you're clean through the words that I've given you. What did he give them? He gave him the gospel message that he was sent for. Did you know he was the Messiah? Did you know he was the messenger that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew was coming? Jesus fulfilled it, and he told the disciples, you're clean through the words which I've spoken. There's power in the words of God. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care how messed up our church world turns this gospel over to something that it ain't because they're talking about it being another gospel or they need to get rid of the old gospel and get into the new stuff. And I can tell you, you don't need the new stuff. You need the alive old stuff because it's alive. In John 17, 17, he said one little verse. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctifying means set them apart. We're to set apart. If you start reading this Bible regularly, listen to me, Christian. If you've given your heart to God and you start reading this Bible, you're going to run off everybody that don't read their Bible. Because you're going to get excited about what you're learning. You'll drive them crazy. Because build them stories. Their stories will light you up. Connie talking about Joseph and Pharaoh this morning. And I thought to myself, I didn't want to even look at my lesson. I just wanted to hear what Connie had to say. Because why? I know what God did in Joseph. 
But Joseph loved his brothers. For his brothers to hate him so much, they left him to die. And yet, he couldn't stand it. He got around him. He began to cry and weep because he saw the hand of God that brought them back together. Praise God. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of a corruptible seed but of an incorruptible by the word of God which lives and abides forever. The scripture all over it says this word of God is going to abide forever. But can I tell you who fulfilled this word? Jesus. He's the one that made this word alive. He is what the Father intended when he started writing it. He was there at the beginning and he is there at the end. How many knows it's all put in Christ? The whole word of God is put in him. Read it and think. If you're in the Old Testament, think they're building up for Jesus to come. And when he comes, oh, they're building up. He's gone away, but he's coming back to receive us unto himself. And everything you read in that New Testament is written for you Christians. Everything. Everything in the Old Testament's written. You can't erase. I heard a guy say, I heard, um, what's his name? Yusuf say it this morning. He said, uh, the Old Testament, New Testament's like having a house with no roof. That's the Old Testament. But when you put the roof on it, that's Christ. That's the New Testament. He said, you put that New Testament on there now, that house is complete. In fact, the roof can't stand there by itself. It needs the foundation. God had brought forth all of this for you and I to have a day when we can come to him. Listen to 24. For all flesh is as grass. How long does the grass last? About a week before it gets cut. All flesh is grass, is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. By the gospel. Listen to that. Jesus is the gospel. You can't take Christ out of the gospel. You ain't got no gospel. He is the gospel. He is the word of God. Fulfilled, completed, finished. He did the Father's will, opening up for you and I opportunity to live forever. Everyone stand, if you will. It's a lot in this. I had some scriptures I didn't even get to. I don't need to read no more. You understand what I was talking about, and you understand what God is saying. God is saying, know why you need. What is the importance of my Bible? What, what importance is it? Just that I find out I can get saved? 
No, it is what feeds me. It's what helps me grow because Jesus paid it all. And as I run this washing of the water through my body, through my spirit, through my soul, all of a sudden God begins to do things. All of a sudden, I told Larry, I told Larry, I said, Larry, don't tell me about your brothers. I'm going to tell you what God did. God took Larry and he put him on a pedestal in front of all his brothers and all of his family. And he made him shine in front of his brothers. They all looked down at him before he was the youngest. That's that baby. He always gets what he wants probably. He's the baby. But I'll tell you something. When God took him home, he put him on a pedestal before all of his brothers. And Duran, all of his brothers knew it. They knew there was something special in Larry. There is something special going on in you. I don't care where you come from or where your family is. If you will come and you will accept him and you will follow up the word of God in your heart. Get hungry for it. Where the hungry are fed. This is where the hungry are fed, right here. Get a hold of the Word of God and begin to put it inside and watch it do a work in you. Pretty soon you'll look at yourself and say, who in the world is that in there? Because you ain't the old person I used to know. God will change you and make you new. He's not putting... He's not giving you glory to glory himself. He's giving you his son that you'll know where the glory goes. It goes to him. Praise God for what God has done. So many stories, so many lives, God has changed. You want to leave your children with anything? Don't give them money. The world's going to take your money anyway. They're going to fight to keep it. Give them Jesus. Give them the example. I live for Jesus the best I know how. I don't have nothing else to give you but the right way. And if I knew my father and mother gave us anything, like I told you, they went through all the little bit of money mom and dad had the last two times. We had two, enough for two more times to pay for mom being in the nursing home. That's what mom and dad left us all the years they worked. Two times. I think we ended up getting a couple thousand dollars per family, seven children. Think about it. Work your whole life and that's what it ended up. You say, that's sad. No, it ain't sad. I got more than most everybody ever got because see, I got a father and mother that showed me how to live for Jesus. And I'd rather have that than all the money in the world. And you would too. You want your children to know Jesus. You want them to know the way of life. That's what you care about. That's all that's important. While she sings something, if you need to pray, you come today.
This is the fight of our lives. I fight myself. I fight my flesh. Paul said he died daily. Every day you get up, you have to tell the enemy and tell yourself, your flesh, I'm a child of God. He saved me. He forgave me. I 
him off. The day will come when it will change. There won't be another day of grace. The days of time of your life. None of us know whether or we'll be here next week. Are you ready? Have you made up your mind? Do you really believe him? David believed. As horrible as David's sins were, David believed God could change them. Do you believe God can change? Can he change you? He can. He's in the saving business. I know he's speaking to hearts today. I'm not trying to condemn you. I don't, I don't tally who comes up the altar or who doesn't. This is your altar. This is this church opening the door the best that we know how. To let anyone that needs to pray come. People will pray with you. People will pray for you. Not one to know your business. We just know the one that we serve, that we need him, you need him. We cry out to him. You cry. That's what David was doing. I'm glad God didn't hide David's sin. I'm glad God laid it out over him. He lays it out to you and I where we're at. 